Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dina Varelli, founder and CEO, and today we're back in the podcast studio and I've got a special guest for everyone. Some of you may know the person that we're gonna be talking to here in a second. Um, if you've run for us or if you are running for us and if you've run for us, you've probably seen some stuff on social media from some alumni. She's a popular friend uh, with some of our alumni that have taken her class, but I wanna welcome Sarah Grooms to the Project Purple Podcast. Welcome to our podcast, Sarah. Hi, Dino. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me today. No, thank you for carving out some time. I know you've you've had a busy, let's say, <laughs> seven months, uh, which we'll get into with what's yeah. going on. Um, and yeah. in fairness, you know, to the introduction there, you've been in you, for our runners that are running with us this year. Uh, we had given them the opportunity uh, to train online, I guess we would say, right? Because yeah, of what's yeah. going on currently with Sarah. Uh, she's a fitness trainer and we're going to talk about that, a runner and she's done a lot of yeah. other things. And then our alumni have probably seen a lot of Sarah via social media because I know a couple of our runners, uh, current runners and alumni runners have uh, have worked with you. One in particular, Keelan Hotchkins yeah. Mario is a big fan of yours and kind of how we, I guess we, we got to give she's credit. Yeah, yeah, this we got to give credit where credit is due. We're always Absolutely. 100% transparent. We were connected to you via Keelan because I know Keelan's been a big fan of yours and and work with you over the past couple years, I believe. Um yeah. helping her train and everything that she's been doing with Obey Fitness. So yeah. with that, that gives a gives a little bit of a tease to our audience about <laughs> how we got connected. Full disclosure as always. But I wanted to give you the opportunity to share with our audience kind of a little bit about your background and, and how I always tell our guests this is that, Sarah, you can go as far back as you want uh, to share okay. with our audience. And you can also stay as high level as you want, and then we'll go from there. I do have some questions here for you, um, which we'll get into, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your background along with our audience. Yeah, awesome. Where to begin? Um, it's always fun trying to describe myself <laughs> and all of the hats that I wear, um, we were kind of talking about this before. It's funny when people ask me to introduce myself or um, talk a little bit about myself, I always kind of say that I am um, an optimist. So rather than, you know, what I do for a living, I think uh, something that is very special, I always try to see the glass half full, no matter where we are in life. Um, and that's something that I've kind of carried with me. I grew up in Ohio. I had a, a pretty supportive family. Um, I started dancing at a very young age. I, my mom put me in sports. Apparently, I didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> so she put me in dance just kind of uh, as a way to interact with others, learn my left foot from my right, um, you know, just have a presence about myself and to not shy away from everything in life, which I guess I tended to do at a young age. So she put me in dance and it was something that I, I loved and I was passionate about. Um, I tried sports along the way throughout the years, and dance was kind of always the thing that I came back to. I did have a quick stint with, uh, I won't say running per se, <laughs> um, but I, I was on my middle school track team because I could jump. Um, the dancer in me, uh, my math, math teacher at the time, Mr. McKillop, uh, knew that I was a dancer and was like, wait a second, come do the hurdles, come join the track team. And I was like, I don't know about that. 
I was horrible. I jumped way too high. I was way too slow. So he's like, let's do, you know, the, the high jump and see what happens. Apparently I excelled there, but uh, hmm. dance class was just a little bit more important to me at the time. <laughs> so I didn't stick with that through high school. It was never much of a, a runner when I was younger. Um, but dance ended up moving me to New York City when I was 19, I believe. Wow. Um, right out of high school, I, I was kind of burnt out from dance. I was doing it six days a week. I had done it from the time that I was three years old up to 18. I was you know, eating, sleeping, and breathing dance. If I didn't have to be in school, I was at dance class just training. I wanted to be a dancer when I grew up. Um, and I, I never let anything stop me there. For whatever reason, I just kind of thought that I could do it, which maybe I was very <laughs> naive at the time to know just how competitive uh, the dance world actually is. But um, I was set to go to college, was kind of going to put dance on the back burner. I was a little bit burnt out, even though I loved it. And uh, I had always wanted to audition to be a rocket in New York City. One of my very first dance teachers was a rocket. Um, I had seen her dance on TV in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And my mom had said, you know, all of this time throughout life, you've always kind of said that you wanted to do this audition. Um, so why not just go before you, you know, put your dance dreams on the back burner and go to school? Why don't you just go go audition and see what happens? And I was like, yeah, OK, never going to happen. But fine. You know, I'll live my dream one more time and then put it away um, and get serious about life, I guess. So I ended up auditioning, didn't think anything of it. I actually almost missed my high school graduation um, flying back from New York. Uh, there was really bad weather, but we made it. And then a couple months later, I actually got the phone call that changed my life forever. I was offered a contract with the Rockets and I went on to do that for about 12 seasons. It was almost 13 years, but 12 Christmas seasons. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a game changer for me in more ways that I can tell you. Um, I started running, I would say four years ago at this point, give or take a girlfriend of mine that I, I worked with at Radio City, another rocket, Melissa, um, asked me to come run with her one day. She was a big runner. I think she, you know, kind of goes back and forth between Florida and New York was a big runner in the city. And I remember she took me on my first run through Central Park and I was just like, what in the world is going on? My body's tired. It hurts. But there's something just so therapeutic about it. And as a dancer who has kind of beat her body into the ground and worked on that mental toughness and strength, it was just such a breath of fresh air. Um, and I kind of stuck with it, which is interesting because a lot of my, uh, you know, People in the dance world, I should say, uh, were not very supportive of running. And whether it was a casual race or signing up for a marathon, you know, whatever it was, I, I got a lot of feedback of, you know, you're going to change your body for the worst. Dancers aren't runners. Runners aren't dancers. There was just a lot of criticism around it. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't understand. Like, it, I think it's great cross training as long as I'm smart about it. And so... In between my time dancing with the Rockets, the, the kind of off season, so to speak, was was spent doing a lot of, of races over the last couple of years. Um, I also teach fitness on the side. This is the longest winded introduction I think I've ever given. But <laughs> I do many things. I also teach fitness because I totally understand the importance of, you know, staying strong and, and having a professional dance career. I had a really bad injury, I would say, about six years ago where I tore the labrum in my right hip. Um, and I, I thought it was going to kind of end my dance career forever. I was in PT for about two and a half years. 
um, to avoid surgery. And after that, that's kind of when I started running and, uh, it never really looked back. I went on to run the Berlin Marathon. I had signed up to run Chicago and New York. Um, an injury took me out of that last year. And that's kind of how I got back into it this year. And like you said, I met Keelan through Obey. So I teach for an online streaming platform, Obey Fitness, live and on-demand classes. And Keelan was someone that came in while she was on it, you know, had an injury and was just like, I'll do this until I get better. Um, and then I'll go back to running and doing what I do. And we were able to connect uh, through social media, actually, um, and talk about our injuries and just kind of connect on running. And she stuck it out. She introduced me to Project Purple. and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing run, I think, with you guys and learning more about the organization and also, you know, making my movement matter. I think that that's something that Keelan talks about often. Um, that's something I feel like I've kind of done my whole life is movement is very important to me. And if I, uh, you know, can translate that into everyday life and, and kind of giving back or helping other people along the way, I think movement's my passion and it's always kind of going to guide what I do in life, whether it's teaching dance, teaching fitness podcasting, whatever it is. Um, I think I'm a professional mover at heart. <laughs> I like so that you term. know, that's what I do. <laughs> I like that term, professional mover. Professional mover. <laughs> that's what your business card should say. Yeah, professional mover. And I and I don't mean houses and boxes, but no. I'll try. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So I, I want to back up a bit. Yeah. Because I, 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 I you, you, done so many things in such a short period of time so kudos i mean it's just, and you. you know you look at I, i'm always fascinated by people's arcs and we've talked about this with survivors and they've gone through mm -hmm. life experiences and then they you know get cancer and, and i think that can be said for all of us that you know we're on this journey i guess yeah. of life and these things happen and and, and they go back i want to go back to so you're in high school yeah <laughs> 19 years old, 18 years old, a high school senior, and you get a tryout for the Rockettes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I want to make sure this sounds the right way. I, I, I look at when I was in high school, you know, and a senior, like I just wanted to play college basketball. That's That was my priority. But that's a pretty ambitious goal to have. So what was that like? I mean, you're, you're trying out for the Rockettes and you said, then you're almost missing your high school graduation. So in that yeah. transition, I'm sure your friends probably knew you knew like this could be a possibility or fulfilling a dream. As you said, like that's gotta be pretty wild experience. Yeah. Very wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> Especially coming, and, and, and I, <laughs> I just want to throw this in there. I mean, coming from the Midwest too, from Ohio, yeah. that's got to be even like kind of a bigger deal, right? Because I mean, not to, and I love the Midwest. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of friends and family in that area, yeah. but it's just, you're not in that New York, you're not in the New York area. Like we were saying before we were recording, like we're 68 miles to New York. So I kind of get what, what the vibe and the feel is in New York from here in Connecticut, but Ohio's, you know, thousands of miles away from New yeah. York. So it's a little bit different vibe. Yeah, I think I I was very fortunate growing up and that I had a mom that really supported my dream of being a dancer. And she didn't care what I did as long as I was passionate about it and I worked hard towards it. Now, there were definitely times uh, that I wanted to quit. And she said, you know what, you're not a quitter. You enrolled for classes this year or, you know, the competition team, whatever it is, and you're going to finish it out. And then if you still want to quit, we'll talk about it. Um 
throughout the years that I was dancing, I think all of my friends kind of knew growing up, dance was what I wanted to do. And I, I didn't really see it any other way other than I was going to do everything I could to become a professional dancer. And I think that's where kind of being naive as to what that actually meant and then also what that meant in a city like New York. I had no idea. Now, I luckily enough, every other summer, I think from the time that I was maybe 11, um, I would come to the city, to New York with my, my dance studio, and we'd take classes at Broadway Dance Center and Steps on Broadway, which, you know, professionals in the industry are teaching classes, whether they're, you know, doing Broadway shows at night, but teaching during the day or they're in between contracts. Um, you got to go learn from the best of the best, which mm -hmm. I love. And so I think that kind of prepared me for, you know, New York's mentality of working hard and working hard and showing up. And I also think that I had a great studio director back in Ohio that just kind of prepared us. You know, this is what the dance world's like. You have to have a tough skin. You have to get back up when maybe you don't win at a competition. And it's not all about winning. I think it was great that um, they kind of instilled that mentality within us. You know, it's, it's not all about winning. It's what did you take from this? What do you learn from this? And that's something I think my Midwest roots will kind of always pull me back to is that we have these goals that we set for ourselves. And once we achieve them, then what, right? Like mm -hmm. I talk about growing through what I go through on a daily basis. And I think no matter the situation, whether it's an audition, a job interview, um, a health scare, whatever it is, we learn something from the situation and it's our choice in how we react and what we do with that information and then how we allow that to propel us forward. So my friends knew growing up that dancing was what I always wanted to do. I danced with half of them, um, some of them recreationally, some of them, you know, in the competitive field. Um, but they, they were very understanding, very supportive, even to this day have come to see me perform and, you know, made that trek many times, which I'm super grateful for. Um, but yeah, I think coming to New York, auditioning to be a rockette, it's, it's just an open cattle call. So, you know, you show up to Radio City, the auditions at 10 a.m., whatever day of the week. And, uh, you know, it starts at 10. So you're there at 730 or 8 and the line is already wrapped around the block. And you just wait in line and you go in. And if you're there the whole time, you're there for two full days. And even if you make it to the end, you don't know if you get the job or not. Right. Hmm. They just say, OK, thanks. You made it. We'll call you or not <laughs> in a couple um, months. And yeah. And, and I think something that the general public maybe doesn't know is that you actually have to re-audition for your job yeah. every year. So well, that's what I was even just if you ask, do, yeah. yeah, even if you do get the job, you reevaluate it every year. And at the current time, there's only 80 women in the world that do the job. And I think wow. only some 3000 women ever that have had it. So had I known those statistics maybe going into it, I probably would have just said, that's so far-fetched. There's yeah. no way I would ever audition. Um, but I think kind of not knowing and then just trusting in my abilities. I There are times that I wish I was 18 or 19 all over again where I said, I wish I just didn't know better. I just went in and left it all out there. Why not, right? Like I had the courage. I couldn't even believe it to just say, all right, well, what the heck? Let's go try it. And if it doesn't work out, on to the next. And I think we, I could use a little bit of that oomph and that momentum <laughs> and that courage at this point in my early 30s. But yeah, I um, I learned a lot uh, throughout the auditions and the job over the years. And I think that that's something I can carry with me now. I, I hung up the heels, so to speak, um, after my 2018 season. So I did 12 years. 
I had my job if I wanted to go back for the next year. But as you know, a lot of the, um, or at least the New York City Marathon and the Chicago Marathon both happen in the fall. And it's, yeah. it's always been on my, my list of goals to run one or both of them. And you can imagine trying to marathon train as well as, you know, I consider being a rocket is like the major leagues of the dance world. I have an older brother who played sports. Um, growing up and kind of what he considered his major league baseball, I consider the rackets of the dance world. So you can't beat your body up too badly because you're, you're doing over a hundred shows in about seven and a half weeks. Um, so I had to make a choice and, uh, I had an amazing career and, uh, I kind of said, you know what, moving into my thirties, I, I just want to have a different perspective, um, on life and, and attaining some other goals. So. And I, think, I am. and I think the other thing, and just to share with our audience, I just have another question that a uh, yeah. more on the Rockette experience. I mean, you're one of 80 women in the world, you know, on this dance company that, you know, is doing all these shows. And like you said, this is the professional of professionals. If we compare the NBA, MLB, whatever professional sport team yeah. to dance, the commitment and the time I've got to imagine once you're there, like it's great, but then the amount of practice and the amount of work that goes into getting you guys, and I should say, excuse me, ladies prepared <laughs> for doing the seven weeks, hundred plus shows is yeah. extremely intense. And like you're saying, like, you know, I, so, I mean, I've got to imagine doing that for 12 years is a lot. You know what? It, it takes a toll both <laughs> yeah. mentally and physically. It's, yeah. Um, just to kind of talk about it a little bit, I guess. Uh, we actually start rehearsal. We kick off Christmas in August with a little performance, um, in New York City. And then rehearsals start generally based on the year and how much of the show is new. There's always some sort of tweak to the show, whether it's choreographically, musically, if there's a new number, if there's a revamp entirely. Um, we start rehearsal at the end of September, sometimes early October. So yeah, we rehearse six hours a day, six days a week, um, off site. All the rockets actually don't sit in the large rehearsal hall at Radio City. So we rehearse off site. We learn the show in about two and a half, three weeks. Once we move into Radio City, we start to tech the show on the stage, work very slowly, um, and then work our way up to putting the show together with the entire cast and crew and all of the lights. Um, there's 40 women in each cast, 36 on stage at a time, and each cast will do about 16 shows per week. So in about the seven to eight week run, um, you're doing over a hundred shows per cast. It's a lot of work. So you give up a lot of your, I would say, quote unquote, free time, um, to, to do this show. You have to think you're spending Thanksgiving here in New York, possibly doing three or four shows in a day. And your, you know, your Christmas Eve, your Christmas Day, your New Year's Eve, and your New Year's Day, you're performing. And it's amazing. That's what you're signing up for when you do this job. But that also kind of means if you're like me from Ohio, you haven't been home for Christmas since maybe 2007, 2006. To make that my family always seemed to see me and, and, you know, to have Christmas here with me. Um, and then also to, to the girls and the people that I work with, it's, you know, your second family. They know exactly what you're going through. Um, for that three to four month chunk of time. And it's very rigorous. It's, it's definitely a job. And I think you have to be extremely passionate to do it. Um, because there is always a someone else that wants your job and <laughs> is going to fight to audition for it. 
Um, but you get to live out your dream. And so there's a, there's an expectation that when you come in for rehearsal on day one, you know, it's not just day one of training. You are expected to come in in tip top shape because those sour rehearsals are just going to, you know, they're grueling. Um, because you have so much information to take in and, uh, you're an athlete. We like to say that we're athletes dripping in diamonds because we put on these costumes and the hair and the makeup and the shoes. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into it and it's our job to make it look easy and effortless. Um, but I think when you have that passion, you know, the hard days, it's all worth it. It's all so incredibly worth it when you've worked your whole life to make it happen. So even on the hard days, you're happy to be there. (laughs) Well, I think something you just said, I mean, and you said something before, you know, professional dance, like this is, and I think that's something that I, you know, in, in anything people see that the, the wins, they see, you know, yeah. the people holding the trophies or they see them at that, that professional level, but they don't see the work that it takes to yeah. get there. And like you said, you're living your life dream, but starting at an early age, dancing six days a week and the, the grind in the, you know, the, the physical and mental grind that dancing is just like any other professional sport, you reach mm-hmm. the pinnacle of that. And, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, most times people see, you know, the, they don't see the work to get to that point, but they see the people at that point. And a lot of people, yeah. I don't think realize, I didn't realize quite honestly, you know, from hearing you talk like, yeah, it, it does make a lot of sense, but yeah, I would never have thought like, you, you know, the grind that that is. Um, but it's absolutely correct. It's just like any professional athlete in, in whatever sport they're in at that level as a professional the amount of work and energy mentally and physically that goes into that. It's, it's really fascinating. And you know, that's the same thing with being a rock hat. So kudos to you yeah. for making that. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, that, and I think the one thing that you said, you know, it's probably more mental in a way because you know, every year you've got to, you've got to bring your A game. You can't be LeBron oh, yeah. James, you know, that one <laughs> last year. And, and, you know, he gets kind of a pass going into this year. Because he won yeah. the champ, or I should say Kawhi Leonard, if we're going to talk about basketball. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, so yeah, that's even bigger. So I want to kind of shift here a little bit. Yeah. And talk about getting into the fitness aspect of what you're doing now and the running. The torn hip labrum, were you involved? And you said something before about fitness, you know, when you were starting to, to do the running and, and, you know, people's body image or, you know, just mm-hmm. strength because dancing uses probably a different set of muscles. I, I'm not a, a, a biomechanics. I don't know the biomechanics of the body, but I would imagine, you know, dancing, you're using different muscles than you would po- possibly running. And maybe there's some mm-hmm. crossover. And you said someone had said to you early on, like, hey, you shouldn't be doing these things because you're going to ruin, quote unquote, I got ear quotes mm-hmm. here, you know, your yeah. dancing body. So was that before around the time that you tore that hip labrum and, you know, kind of realized like, Hey, I had to do these other things to kind of get better and kind of get you into that mindset of fitness and running. Yeah. Well, there's, so let's see, I think I started running after I had torn my hip. So it was after. Um, Okay. Yeah. I believe I started running after and then I got into fitness though. So this kind of goes hand to hand with rockets that when I first started back in 2006, the job itself was seasonal. So you would work maybe three months out of the year. Um, and then the other nine months, everyone went back to their life, whether they were a student, a doctor, 
you know, one of the girls retired and works at NASA now. Wow. Everyone kind of went back to their own bit of life and not everybody lives in New York City. There's girls from all over the world. So yeah. you kind of knew your fall was going to be rockets, but the rest of the year was whatever maybe it was that you do. Now that the job has progressed, it's definitely more year round. Mm -hmm. um, you have your highs and lows of how busy you are. But I kind of took to fitness as, you know, as a job in between seasons of well, we don't really know how much work there's going to be or if there's a second production or are we workshopping for a new show, getting ready for a new show. Every year was a little bit different. So I took to fitness as something that was a little bit more stable, um, you know, and I, I love moving. Like I said, I. I love community. I love being around people and movement is something that's extremely important to me. And it also kind of killed two birds with one stone. I got to teach at the same time while, you know, keeping my strength to then come into my next season. So I looked at it as like this perfect way to do what I love, but also stay strong year round for whenever anything popped up onto our schedule. So um, I started teaching fitness. The place that I, I taught in the city was kind of dance cardio based. So again, loved it. Um, but they didn't require a certification of any sort. And it's weird to me that when I go back to Ohio, you can't step foot in any sort of gym or workout facility without even having the basic certification as far as being a group fitness instructor or a certified personal trainer. Um, in New York, though, it's a little bit different of a lot of the studios are willing to train you in their method, mm -hmm. but not necessarily require a certification. And I think when I first started, I didn't understand the importance of a certification. Um, and then as time went on and I was like, wait a second, we are dealing with other people's well-being and their bodies and their health. And I took it upon myself to get certified because when I thought about it, if I'm going to someone as, you know, an expert, I want them to know what they're talking about and to really be able to help me if I do have an injury or give me the modification or the adjustment. Um, so I kind of took it upon myself, which then helped me when I got hurt. I tore the uh, my right labrum. Actually, I have tears in both hips, but where Ouch. my right one is, <laughs> uh, is something that kind of bothered me in a very big way. I did it with about three weeks left in one of my seasons, one of the Christmas seasons, Continued to dance on it because we at the time couldn't figure out exactly what was wrong. They just kind of thought it was an overuse injury, which again, you do repetitive movement 16 to 17 times a week. You know, it's going to happen, repetitive stress injuries, but it continued to bother me after the season and uh, I got it checked out. And that's when I realized, you know what, like I'm getting older. I, I'm not going to dance forever, but if I'm going to continue to do this and I get to call the shot when I walk away rather than an injury taking me out of what I've worked my entire life for, I need to be smart about this. And that includes training and recovery and workouts and, you know, being smart about what I'm doing in rehearsal and not just pounding my body into the floor. So um, teaching fitness has been a wonderful way to really just understand my body and know my limits and how my body works now. And I think that's something every individual should do, right? I think there's a mentality um, to go, go, go and work as hard as you can and push yourself, push yourself, push yourself. But we have to know, kind of like you and I talked about that mental strength of saying, okay, yes, I can do this. I might not want you today. And then also the difference between, okay, my body's actually telling me to stop. I need to take a step back. And maybe I need to go about this a different way. So in a roundabout way, um, fitness kind of came into my life at the perfect time as, you know, a second job. 
but also as something that um, has helped me keep myself strong and healthy and then in turn give back to you know the people that I work with on a daily basis. So how did you find Obey? Oh, this is actually a really fun story. So Obey had reached out to me, but the production company that actually works with Obey, um, so the way that they are able to stream. Mm-hmm. When I first moved to New York City, um, I lived in a building and there was a family that I babysat for. And the family that I babysat for, I've kind of kept in touch with over the years. I don't live in the same building in Brooklyn, um, but we've kept in touch. And the father, Matt, uh, reached out to me. He's actually the one of the co-founders, co-owners of the production company and said, hey, I know you dance. I know you teach fitness. We've kept in touch all these years. You should check out Obey. They're looking for instructors. You know, I just wanted to pass this on. And such a small world. <laughs> Here I am about two years later. So very thankful for that. The power of network and community. <laughs> well, I always say like, you know, it's not about, uh, you know, timing. It's just about, you know, being in the right place. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's no such thing as timing. It's about being prepared when the opportunity presents itself, right? So, Absolutely. you know, going through this and I've got, show notes here and I've got this arc that I've created here because it's kind of interesting and we'll get to this probably at the end. I'm just making notes on this arc and all these things that have happened, but you know, you, I'll just say this, like you have this traumatic injury and that hip labrum is a big deal. And especially yeah. I mean, when you're in the business of movement and you have something that impedes your movement, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And as we were saying, we, you know, Sarah and I were talking before we were recording, you know, we have choice and, you know, (laughs) when things happen, as things always happen, you have a choice and you can go down one path and you can go down the other path. And clearly here, you know, you've taken that path with this traumatic event in your life, you know, having something that could, could have derailed your entire career, you know, Mm and your path and where you were going. And instead you kind of made a conscious effort to say, Hey, like I, I need to understand movement and my body and get stronger. And then that Mm -hmm. projects you onto this other path, even though probably you had no idea at that time. Right. And hindsight's always 2020, right. So we can, we can giggle about this now, but I'm sure at that moment, probably like, Oh my God, like what the hell's happening? Or, you know, like we have that, those self doubts, like, I don't know, where's this going to go? But now we look back and you see this arc that you're on and I've always said doing so many of these podcasts with people from all walks of life and Mm -hmm. seeing where they've gone on this journey within their lives that things just don't happen. There's probably a reason why they happen. We don't know all the answers sometimes, but these experiences that we've experienced kind of prepare us for the future in some way, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think too, and kind of back to your question, um, about, you know, the body image and all of that with being a dancer and then a runner. I've kind of always looked at it as, you know, throughout life, I've just wanted to train to be strong, to do all of the things that I want to do. Movement is what drives me. It's what I'm passionate about. And when I hurt my hips, tore my hips, the thought of that being taken away from me scared the crap out of me. Mm. And from that moment forward, I always knew I needed to be strong. I knew that dance was something that, you know, is very athletic and strenuous on the body, but I had always kind of looked at it as, well, who's to say what a dancer should look like, right? And who's to say what a soccer player should look like or a football player? As long as we're strong for life, like why do there have to be these molds or stereotypes? 
maybe because a lot of athletes do look a certain way in that field. But I think the beauty of Rockettes and what that taught me is that, you know, all of these women come from different walks of life, very, very, very different training backgrounds. Um, and when you see us in rehearsal, we look very different. Mm-hmm. We all look very unique. That's the beauty of it. But on stage, when we put on our costumes and our hair is the same way and, you know, you see this beautiful picture, it does look like this troop of women that maybe look the same. But when you strip away all of the extra pieces and the glitz and the glam, we are each our own unique individual with our own background and our own story. And I think that that's the same as any person in life. You know, we all have a background. Our our story is not one person will ever be the same. And so who cares what a rocket or what a dancer or a runner should look like? This is who I am. And this is what I do. And my mentality has just kind of always been, I want to be strong for life, which means I need to train for life. Now, whatever that training program looks like, we'll figure it out. But um, I've always kind of had that as my guide of, you know, it's, I don't care what I look like. It doesn't matter what I should look like. I want to feel good. And I want to feel strong to be able to move my body every single day of my life until the day that I die. <laughs> That's my goal. I love it. I love it. It's powerful. I mean, it, it, you know, hearing you say the the example of the Rockettes is so, to me, it because, you know, I mean, one of our traditions as a family is watching that Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's yeah. Thanksgiving Day Parade, and, you know, seeing the Rockettes perform. And I'd always say to myself, God, like, they all look like twins and they yeah. all look the same. And I think one year there yeah. was a, I, I could be wrong. I could have sworn twins, I remember yeah. there was like twins on the, on the, the, yeah. the line, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they all look the same. They all look like twins, you know? And so but yeah. hearing that you're, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, like, yeah, you peel everything back and yeah, the glitz and the glams for the camera and the show, the presentation. But at the end of the day, everyone is so unique and so different. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's really. a bigger picture of, you know, what's happening today, you know, mm-hmm. like everywhere. I think, I feel like we're, in some ways, like we all fight to be a certain type or a certain mm-hmm. person because that's what marketing and the media presents itself, yeah. right? Like you have to do this in order to, to be X. But yep. at the end of the day, we are all individuals. We are all unique and we all have great gifts mm-hmm. to provide the world and other people. So, you know, sometimes we have to kind of take a step back. I know you and I talked a bit before we hit the record button about yeah. this, you know, is just taking a step back. Don't watch the TV. Don't listen to the news and yep. just worry about us and how we can become strong and how we can become healthy and the choices that we make. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So you join Obey. And for those listening at home, let's give them, because I'm some people may not know the Obey brand, even though they just yeah. were written up in Forbes about one of the fastest growing fitness online communities, which I may have done. I don't think I've done them <laughs> justice in that explanation. But what is Obey? What is Obey Fitness? Well, to start, it's an amazing community. So in its, True sense, Obey is an online streaming digital platform uh, that offers, you know, on demand and 14 live classes a day. Ideally, the classes are all 28 minutes a piece. So if you're kind of pushed for time or, you know, 28 minutes, it's, it seems to be the perfect go to. Um, there's longer classes, there's shorter express classes, but at the end of the day, I feel like there's a little bit of something for everybody. So I kind of teach dance and sculpt. Um, dance cardio, sculpting classes, which are, you know, higher rep, lighter weight. They have Pilates, they have 
hit classes, strength classes, yoga, you name it. There's a little bit of something for everybody. All of the trainers come from very different backgrounds, different certifications. Um, but it's a community, I think, first and foremost. And that's actually how I met Keelan. So there's a, a private Facebook group that Ashley Mills and Mark Millette, the co-founders, have started. Um, and so I think that's kind of what what sets Obey apart is that whether you have, you know, Leslie in Iowa or Mandy in North Carolina, Keelan in the Berkshires, or, you know, somebody out on the West Coast, they're all connecting and kind of finding their why and their motivating factor for what's driving them. Um, and I think, you know, I'm very grateful to be an instructor here and to, to share my knowledge and my love for what I do um, with the entire community. But we are also very lucky to have this community. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very special place. I've got to get you in to take a class at some point. Um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's, at the end of the day, it's a, an online digital platform, but it's really so much more beyond uh, just fitness. Do you think, uh, and this is a loaded question, do you think COVID has helped with this because uh, of, of creating uh, and building like these online communities because of what COVID has forced, you know, the people outside of, you know, you can't go to Planet Fitness, you can't mm-hmm. go to your CrossFit gym. I mean, now some states are open, but you think that's been a benefit during this time? And I know it was a bit of a struggle because in the early, I think you guys were, they were trying to figure out the whole, you know, remote, you know, having mm-hmm. trainers in different parts of the area and not everyone being able to get into the studios. So do you think though, as a whole though, COVID has been a positive for Obey and for like the virtual fitness community? I think for virtual fitness in general, absolutely, yeah. right? So it's it's making fitness and movement accessible for everybody. And I know this just sounds like me being super cheesy, but the community that Obey has has been strong from day one. Yeah. We call them, you know, the Obey OGers that are just, <laughs> you know, they're there to answer questions when any of the newbies come in. And uh, I think it's really just built on that strength within the community because all of a sudden, you know, we're in a global pandemic and we're, we're confined to these walls where we can't go outside. And I, you know, as the trainer, I'm the motivator, right? I'm supposed to be motivating people. But you and I talked about this of like, when the motivator is even like, what the heck? Like yeah. we're stuck in these walls and I'm used to being outside and in a room full of people. How do I motivate people? And I've even turned to the app and said, you know what? I need to take someone's class today. I need to move my body because I know that when I move my body first thing in the morning, I'm going to set my day up to be nice and strong and positive and powerful. Um, and so to see so many men and women, I mean, even kids, like, oh, they had some kids cardio classes for a while and uh, there were even classes for seniors where I think it just made fitness accessible to everybody and it's not just fitness, it's life, right? We're training for life and whether it's physical health or mental health, moving your body in some way, shape or form goes a long way every day. It's powerful stuff. And as I say, it's not rocket science, but there yeah. is a science to it, right? And I think <laughs> yeah, we, we all have choices. Yeah. Um, did you get into running? I mean, you've been with Obey now two years. So the running was something that started a couple years prior to that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So Again, kind of in between seasons, a good friend of mine, Melissa, I think we started uh, with some other friends as well, started just kind of signing up for uh, New York Roadrunners races. We did the retro run early on. 
Um, I remember running the hills in Central Park and thinking I was going to fall over and get sick all at the same time. <laughs> um, but again, the power of community, just being yeah. in Central Park with so many people cheering you on and even other runners coming up to you and saying, you got this, girl, you got this. Let's go. And you're like, wait a second, you're a complete stranger and you're cheering me on. What's going on? Um, I think that was very powerful. And it it was just a way for me to kind of shut the world out for a little bit and yep. to say, I can put one foot in front of the other and I can leave, you know, dance behind for a second while I then just go do something for myself and really enjoy it. Um, and so I've been doing that through the seasons and the off seasons and um, have just kind of stuck with it over the years. It's been a fun way to meet people, to get into the running community. Um, and it's, it's just been something that I've really loved doing. So I got to ask though, cause you brought it up the person who said, Hey, running's going to change your dance body and you yeah. know, do these negative things. Did, yeah. did it, did it have an impact on your dancing negative or positive? You know what? I actually think it was positive. So um, similar to teaching fitness, I will never forget after I started my first off season teaching fitness, um, coming into rehearsals for Rocket, you know, you learn a number in one, two or three days. And then, you know, on that third day of rehearsal, you are running a 15 minute number from the top, which means from the very beginning to the end. And that's why it's so important that you have to come in in shape and stamina and strong because there's no going back. You build where you left off from the day before. And I will never forget running that number. It was New York at Christmas, which is about halfway through the show. Um, I did it. And I was like, I don't feel like I want to throw up this year. Like, what's wrong with me? Am I not working hard enough? Like, I'm not going to fall over. I can still feel my legs. Like, what is going on? One of my girlfriends was like, don't you teach dance cardio like three or four times a week? And you've been doing a lot more strength work than you've done yeah. in years past. And I was like, wait a second okay, like it clicked. And the same thing with running. Um, the stamina was there. I think the stamina was the biggest part of it where I was training for, you know, a couple half marathons going into seasons a couple years in a row. And I think teaching, you know, the strength aspect of it alongside doing, you know, the runs and, and all of the community runs with road runners made such a difference when I came into my season. Um, I think it made my body stronger appearance wise. I don't notice a difference. Um, I don't really look at myself that way, but as far as feeling stronger, um, I kind of always gauge my, my progress based on how I feel. And I remember going in a couple years in a row, which I'll started, you know, the years after I started running and teaching of, I feel really strong and I feel really good. And I made it through, you know, those seasons without any additional injuries, I should say. It's <laughs> awesome. So I say it was positive. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I'm biased. I think uh, you know, <laughs> running running is a great cross training exercise. Yep. If you if you don't run or if it's something you do primarily, I think it's great. I mean, yesterday, you know, we're taping this here. Uh, what it was? What is it? I, I don't have my watch on me. It's like August seventeenth, eighteenth. Yeah. yeah, But I ran yesterday. I didn't get my run in in the morning, and it was pouring rain here in Connecticut. And I said, you know what? I'm going to still run. And it was like a great run. It was so euphoric. I, yeah. I don't know. Running for me has been such an amazing gift. And uh, I just love hearing other people get excited about it and talk about all the positives about it and what it's done for them in their professional careers, personal careers, yeah. and, and just mental and physically. So you go from Rockette, you switch to Obey, 
mm-hmm. become a runner in between there. <laughs> and then you start a podcast. I did. <laughs> so now you've got podcasts to add to your resume, uh, podcast yeah. hosts, which you, you have your own. And what was the, what was the, well, I, I get a bunch of questions since we're on a podcast. Yeah. We want to talk yeah. about that. So what was the, uh, like, when did you come up with the idea? Well, to be honest, I, I feel like I've gone to a handful of networking events in New York. Uh-huh. You know, you're kind of always trying to like be, you know, be in powerful communities or just, you know, I teach fitness, but I do this, but I teach dance and the networking thing. I didn't mind it, but I was like, there's so many people I'm meeting that have these amazing stories and I want to share that. Like, you know, I, I get asked all the time, well, you grew up in Ohio. (laughs) How, you know, how the heck did you become a professional dancer of all people? Like Ohio, that doesn't really seem. And so I just get asked questions of how, I kind of navigated my roadmap and how I've ended up where I've been, but I'm so fascinated with other people. And yeah. I think everybody has some sort of story to tell. And I wish that, you know, when I was nine, 10, 11, even 17, that I knew my career existed. I didn't know that you could be an editor of a fitness magazine. You know, I, I didn't know that so many careers in the professional world even existed. And so I have a podcast called On the Go with Sarah Jo. Um, you would ask me about the Joe in my name, which actually my mother's first name is Joe. Um, and uh, she was kind of always my main supporter. She definitely was always my main supporter, always believed in me, always told me to follow my heart and my gut and chase my dreams. And so in an ode to my mother always being with me, uh, On the Go with Sarah Jo is just kind of about sharing the stories of other people that I think, you know, are, are doing their part to make a difference in both local communities as well as a more broad scale network and uh, just sharing their stories of how they've gotten to where they are and also kind of how they navigate life. You know, on the go means something different to everybody. It doesn't always mean a fast paced life, um, but it means kind of navigating your own normal. And so I just want to, you know, share the stories of other people I think that are doing the same thing so that if there's someone that is younger that has a dream or a passion, um, but they're a little bit deterred to do it or to, you know, chase that dream, I want to be the fire that, you know, says, hey, this person did it and this person did it, so why can't you? So that's what On The Go is about. Um, and it's been, it's really been fun to hear the stories of other people. And I've, I've listened to podcasts for a while and I think once I you know, hung up my heels, retired from Rockets, it was kind of the perfect time to dive in and say, okay, I can really put all my energy and effort into this. I think at this point, it's been something I've wanted to do for about three years. Um, and I, I launched it last December, December of 2019. So, and I'm excited to have you on soon. <laughs> You just yeah. gave a tease to our audience, I so I will, I will I be on, I will be on the, on the go with Sarah yeah. Joe podcast soon. So yeah. I got a, I got a couple questions here for you. Hit me. Are you a planner? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can you tell? Do you know? <laughs> how, how, far, how far out do you plan? Oh, it depends on what it is that we're talking about. Um, you know what though? I will say quarantine life over the last couple months has taught me to just kind of throw my hands up in the air because I am a planner. If I could plan the next year or two years of my life, 
down to the day, you better believe I would do it. I want to know what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. I, I do the macro goal. I do the smaller micro goals. I, I love to plan things. Um, it kind of gives me a little bit of a, you know, sense of control. Um, but at the same time, life happens. And I think that there's something to be said for just kind of, I, I tell Caleb this all the time. We got to trust the universe, right? Life's going to happen whether we want it to or not, as we've learned with this quarantine and COVID. Um, and sometimes you just got to trust that life and the universe knows best and, uh, what will be, will be. So I'm going to throw this out there. So you, you, you didn't go to college, which is not, a, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you became a rocket at mm-hmm. 19, 20, I would assume. Was it 19? Yes. You're still 19 when you were uh, a cat? I was, I was 18 when I first started. Wow. Turned okay. 19 during my first season. Yeah. So what, what's the average age of a rocket when they start? If you don't mind me asking. No, it just depends. I, to be honest, everybody's different. So a lot of girls do go to school, mm-hmm. will come in maybe around 23 or 24. A lot of girls like me don't go to school, but they will be doing college in their off season. So mm-hmm. summer, spring, whatever it is. So, and some of them even do school in the fall. So is eight, I give them all the credit. So is 18 like really young though? 18 is the youngest. So you okay. have to be, so you have to be 18. 18. Okay. Yep. By the so, time the contract starts. So you buck the trend. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to put my own watch it. So you're, you're one of the young, you're the youngest you can be to be a rock cat and you become a rock cat. And then you, yeah. you leave that industry and you go become a successful fitness trainer. And now you launch a podcast. So you've had a lot of success. Um, I, I you're guess. being humble about it. No, <laughs> you're being humble about it. But so, and I want to bring this up because so, you know, you, you, you've had to had and the question is like, where does this all come from? And I'm really fascinated by this, uh, you know, and, and how people, you know, I talk about this arc, but then also like, so you're a planner and yeah, people can plan, but there's somewhere, somewhere along the way, like there's a mindset, you've got this mindset that is cre- clearly gotten to, gotten you to these places in life. But in hindsight, it's always 2020. And this is a little bit of a loaded question. Like, do you ever look back and maybe you have as a planner, like maybe there is a person, I know you've mentioned your mom a lot or maybe an experience. I mean, it it must have been early on or maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, but I would imagine having success at 18 and realizing that opportunity and then really running with that opportunity and, and making a career, which I doubt many women do, um, and have success that you've had in, in this very short period of time. I won't ask you how old you are, but you're in the, in the early thirties. <laughs> We're in the early thirties, but like, yeah. this is a lot of success in a very short period of time. So the question I have for you, Sarah, the loaded question and the million dollar question is, you know, that mindset or, you know, this, this, this plan that you've had, is there a person or was there a situation that maybe you can pinpoint that was the reason for that? Um, and as a person that kind of helped m- m- give you that focus and that direction. Mm-hmm. I think there's many people to credit with that, to be honest. I, growing up and then in the professional world, I've had so many mentors and teachers and people that I consider friends and family that have been honest with me. And I, I kind of always look to that and say, you know, I, I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. I want to know what I need to do. Um, and there was an event. So like I told you with Rockets, we do have to re-audition each year. After my very first year, I didn't get my job back. I auditioned 
didn't get my job, mm-hmm. which I had a great first season. So we get it, you know, we have evaluations um, during our seasons with our director, just kind of halfway through to get some feedback. And then you come audition the next year. I got great feedback. Never in a million years thought that I wouldn't get hired. But again, like there's always new women auditioning and there's always women returning. And so the next year didn't get my job. And I kind of how we talked, you have a choice. That's how you react to things. And I could have said, okay, whatever, you know what? Fine. If you don't want me, you don't want me. But I said, no, this is something I'm serious about. I've attained it once. I know I can do it again. So I spent the next year um, working hard, training, going to auditions. And I think that was one of the best things that I could have done was audition, audition, audition for other gigs. Even if I, you know, it, maybe it was a gig I wasn't interested in, just getting in that audition room. Because nine and a half times out of 10 as a dancer or a professional athlete, you're going to be told no. Mm-hmm. But it only takes one person to say yes. And so I worked extremely hard. Uh, and I went back and for 11 consecutive years did that job. And I will always credit, you know, my, I had two directors at the time, um, you know, just being honest and saying, you know, you're good, but you have things to work on. And so you need to prove to us that you're going to do that and that you're going to come back and you're going to continue doing that because that, you know, I was never the best dancer in the room. I will never be the best dancer in the room. But I will always work as hard as I possibly can and I will find the best person or people in the room and, you know, try to work as diligently and as hard as they do. And, and, you know, hopefully that can carry me through. And that's something I think Rockettes teaches you work ethic and determination. Um, and it, it's, it's very much carried over into my personal life. And I think life outside of Rockettes. Um, and I'm grateful for that because I think you got to work hard in life, right? Nothing should be given to us. Um, but when we do work hard, it, it pays off. And I, I will carry that with me through everything uh, that I do from here on out. Do you think that mindset of working hard came from mom and dad? Oh, for sure. Um, we were always taught, you know, you got to work hard. It's, you're not going to get first place and it's not about first place, but if you want to be the best of the best, you got to work hard. If you're not willing to work hard, then that, you know, that's on you and and you're not going to succeed. If you want that professional dance job, you got to work for it because there are a limited number of them. Right. Um, and there's always something to learn in those situations. So my mom was always someone that said, you know what, I support whatever it is that you want to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You can be what you want to be and who you are, um, but you got to work for it. And there was a lot of tough love there. You know, she would tell me (laughs) and I told her growing up, I said, I want to know the truth. If you think I need to be doing something, tell me and then we'll talk about it. So, um, but yeah, it was a lot of tough love, but also a lot of support along the way. It's a powerful message. And as I I've said before, I've got all these sayings, but I, I say one often to my two kids that are teenagers, there's no free lunches. And, Very true. <laughs> you know, I mean, we laugh, we're laughing, right? But it's the reality. Yeah. I mean, hard work uh, is going to get you, you know, f- people listening, regardless of where you are in life, if you're not working mm-hmm. hard, you're not going to achieve things. Um, and that's not to say, I don't mean that in a negative way, but I mean it in a positive way, like in order mm-hmm. to achieve these things and, you know, you've really got to put the time in. And I think that's something that 
you know, I'm be honest, like I didn't realize, you know, yeah, you, you know, being a Rockette for all those years, but that, that foundation again on this arc, you know, putting in mm -hmm. all of that work is, I mean, it's the hours and hours. I mean, it'd be fascinating to see the amount of time in your life that you spent training for that. That's, but that's putting oh you on goodness. this trajectory. <laughs> yeah. You say, oh my goodness. I would you know? actually love to know. I'm like, yeah. where is that number? <laughs> yeah. But it, it put you on this path of success to achieve all these other things, um, which is really fascinating for me as an interviewer to see that arc here. So Thank I've got you. a couple of questions and these are yeah. easy questions. Now we go to the easy questions. Whew. Amazing. So I, I did some homework on you. I know you like to read. I do. For our listeners at home, what are your three books of all time? If you had to pick oh, three. Oh, goodness. Three. Only, only, only three. Only three. I can only bring three. Don't mention four. Okay. Um, well, I love Brene Brown. Uh, she's somebody that I discovered, I believe, back in 2014. Uh, mm -hmm. She wrote a book called Daring Greatly. Mm -hmm. I was going through, actually, a breakup at the time, but also just kind of deciding, you know, do I stick with Rockettes? This is, it's hard. It's tough. So I want to keep working this hard, you know, is it time to move on? I don't know. Just a lot of change in life. Um, and it's, it's kind of a book about being vulnerable and trusting yourself and not selling yourself short. Um, and just, you know, you got to take leaps. You got to leap in life, uh, see if the net appears, um, but you got to do it or else, you know, you're not going to reap the benefits of life. So daring greatly. Um, another book, I would say Grit by yep. Angela Duckworth. Um <laughs> I'm laughing because <laughs> someone just recommended that and it's on really? my audible. I've, I've gotten through half of it and I've read yes. the Renee Brown, uh, the, the deer. Oh, have you? Yeah. Yeah. So any of, to be honest, any of the best, um, yeah. I will, since you obviously like podcasts, Angela was just on armchair expert with Dak Shepard a few mm. weeks ago. Um, fascinating to listen to. She also has her own, own podcast. Um, but yeah, grit, you know, it's kind of talking about, does talent, you know, outdrive or exceed someone's work ethic? And yep. she does some studies in there. I think it's very interesting. Oh goodness. And only one more. Only I'm like, one more. where do I even begin? Um, you know what? There is recently it came out, Glennon Doyle, Untamed. Yeah. Um, I'm a longtime fan uh of hers. I've read some of her other books. Um, but just again, I, I think maybe it's with where I am in life, but um not selling ourselves short and just trusting that we can do anything we set our minds to. And uh, Glennon is someone that is empowering of women, um, but everybody, but yes, women as well. And uh, it's just been a nice quick read this summer. She released it this summer um, or I guess late spring maybe. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of shorter little excerpts of her life, um, all with a couple lessons within each of them. So it's a quick read, but very well worth it. Awesome. And I'll stop there, I guess. <laughs> awesome. That's three. You can't you can't have more than yeah, three. Three. Three and done. So next question. I've got two more for you. Yeah. Given that you just launched a podcast, yep. who is, and this could be anyone, living or deceased, who would be the Ooh. one person you would love to interview? I have to go with Brene. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I mean, there's so many people I would love to sit down with, but um, you know what? She, it's really funny. She has, she talks about one of her experiences, I guess. Um, she studied shame, right? Mm -hmm. Like how many people do you know that have ever studied shame? And 
she said, she's like, you know, if someone sits down next to me on a plane and I'm not in the mood to talk and they ask me what I do for a living, if I don't want to talk, I tell them I study shame and it shuts <laughs> them up right away. Um, but I just, I think she's so powerful because she's a realistic optimist, right? Yeah. Where she talks about the power of vulnerability. She has a TED talk all on it, but she also talks about embracing the suck and life mm-hmm. is not always peachy keen. And I, you know, there's going to be hardships in life. There's going to be highs and lows. Um, but we have to be realistic with ourselves. And if we just embrace the suck and push through and, you know, we do dare greatly and we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We don't have to have this tough exterior all the time. Um, I think that's kind of when we break the walls in our life and we, you know, we can kind of exceed our own limits or, you know, get out of our comfort zone and actually enjoy it. Um, but I would love to talk to her about all of those things at some point in life. So, I love it. Well, yeah. you know, write it down and it'll happen. I, yeah, manifest it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so on the flip side of that question, if yeah. you had the ability to choose a person to interview you, oh boy. who would that person be? Ooh. Um, I'm a big fan of Guy Raz from How I Built This, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I had a friend that was interviewed by him. And from what I understand, <laughs> it is a very, very in-depth process where it's kind of long. But again, he does his research yeah, um, and and just really finds a way to, I, I think, tell a story. Um, I would also love to talk to Doc Shepard because I'm obsessed with Armchair Expert. And I think yeah. it would just be a really fun, cool conversation. <laughs> cool, cool. Awesome. Um, last question for you, and probably I, I always say the most important thing, but uh, one of the most important things here that we're going to offer to our audience is if someone is listening to this and they'd love to connect with you via fitness, I know you mentioned yeah. your podcast, which I know is yeah. on Spotify and other places where um, people can um, connect with you via podcast where they listen to them. Where is the best place for someone listening to this podcast to connect with you? Yeah. Um, well, I'm pretty active on social media. I think Instagram is probably the best place. It's at Sarah Grooms, S-A-R-A-H, and then Grooms, like bread and groom with an S. Um, you can find me there. There's links to just about everything that I do, whether it's Obey or the podcast. Um, I have a newsletter, which you can subscribe to. All the links are on uh, my Instagram. So yeah, that's probably the best place to find me. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you for all you've done for our community. As I opened the show, you know, I mentioned that you had done some work with us. You are actually running with us. We hope we do eventually get back to you actually physically being in person with teams, with fans running. I know you mentioned that and, you know, in in your talk here about like just that. And and I got excited when you said it because (laughs) that that to me is like something for running, which I realized was like when you said, you know, it was just so amazing to be in Central Park and be with runners and someone cheering you on that was running and then the fans. And and I know we'll get back to that. I know probably people listening to, to this, you know, may not see that right now. I, I see it. I, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And I, I think it's- We'll get there, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a lot closer than we think, I hope. 
Um, but you fingers know, crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Uh, but thank you for you know running with us, fundraising with us, um, helping our runners get stronger through the fitness uh, connection and the community that you've helped build and the stuff you were doing with us. And, and thank you really for coming on the podcast and sharing so many nuggets. Uh, you know, I, I've been taking notes this whole time, and I'll, I'll leave this. You said this. Um, you know, there's just so many great things, but I I think the one that um, you know, that hit home for me is just the professional mover at heart and putting on, you know, and creating community and connecting people, you know, through so many ways, whether it was dance, fitness, and now running and, and the podcasting that you're doing is just keep doing what you're doing and keep, you know, we need more people in this world putting out that positivity because there's plenty of negativity and there's plenty of rabbit holes to go down to. And the more people that are putting out that positivity, the better we'll all be in the long run. Well, thank you. This has been, you know, such a treat to sit down and chat and uh, very grateful to have met, you know, even more of the Project Purple community over the summer with our workout. Um, and yeah, I look forward to continue fundraising and then hopefully running with you guys you know, in person, I know that it will happen. It's just a matter of when. So absolutely. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Sarah. For our audience, thanks for listening. Please follow us where you listen to podcasts, share our podcasts. Until next time, be safe. And as we say here at Project Purple, that's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Mm-hmm.